The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Very special Jay and Keith show. I'm Jay, he's Keith. We're going to be talking a lot of champions today. Or two. Yes, at least two. That sounds like a lot. Oh, I mean, we're champions of life, right? Oh, Considering what we get oh. to do for a living. We're, I've, hey, listen, I, when I was in school here, we were in the A-Sun. I'm a, I, they, we built a winner for life. The A-Sun <laughs> builds winners for life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. Uh, now they're the A-Sun whack. Um, hashtag uh, A-Sun built. Hashtag, uh, I don't know, whatever the hell you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now they're, now they're all out of whack, son. Mm, yeah, they are. Out of work, They're so. whack, son. <laughs> uh, they are, and 97% of them uh, either weren't in the league or in the league. Then when we were, you know how it is. It's the ever transitioning. League. None of the current football schools were in the A Sun when we were in the A Sun. Because the schools that are in right. there right now are. Because Kennesaw State's leaving. Right. So UNF, Jacksonville, Stetson. Uh, Gulf Coast, because they hate it when you call them that. And um, Upstate Stetson, left for the Big South. Uh, Lipscomb. Lipscomb's I mean, the other one. Stetson's in the Pioneer League, but that's not in the A-Sun and Wax. So right. Those somebody, five schools are in the A-Sun. But um, not in the but football FCS. Football. Right. Yeah, that, so Stetson's the only one that plays football anymore since mm. Jacksonville dropped its program. So, yeah. Hashtag Kerwin Bell. <sighs> I, I'm not going there. No. Oh. Uh, so... Do want to talk a little football news? We did see Davion Hood landed uh, Temple. You want a portal watch? Yeah, we can do it. We got a little watch. portal watch. We got, we got a little portal watching. Got a little coming in hot. Calibrate the portal. Colonel O'Neill, what the hell are you doing? In the middle of my backswing. Portal watch. That is my favorite scene in the entirety of that show. When O'Neill and Teal'c are stuck in the time loop, it's great. All right. Um, I have no idea what he's talking about. That Stargate SG1? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Richard uh, Dean Anderson was Colonel O'Neill. You know who Richard Dean Anderson is. Uh, what else has he played? Who, who, MacGyver. Oh, he was MacGyver. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, Maga- the only MacGyver. Yes. The uh, Whatever CBS did. I, I have to play that game where somebody's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, so-and-so. I'm like, well, what other show is he on or what other character? Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. I don't really know anybody's, like, real names. <laughs> I know that's shocking to you. Uh, it, I mean, it took you three months to learn my real name. So, and I think there are people that actually think Keith Brake is a radio name. Like when I was when I was in Fargo, they're like, "Okay, so what's your real name?" It's Keith Brake. Oh, I thought that was a radio name. It just sounds too succinct. Thought you had a stage name, did they? They thought I had a nom de plume. Yes. Yeah, look at you. Uh, how about that? You should have said yes, and you can't give up your name duty. The I don't know, um, uh, witness protection or whatever you're in. That's like, it's not my real name, but if I told you my real name, I'd have to kill you. Yeah, one of those deals. You're, you're like a 007 guy. I mean, people see you, they're probably threatened, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 007. Physically imposing. I'm not 007, I'm Batman. Oh. Come on, because like. Which Batman? There's lots of Batmans. Ooh, that's a good question. Well, it's obviously the Keaton Batman, right? Because yeah, that's what I, you would never guess that I'm Batman. He's making a comeback. That's right, he is. Yeah, they're bringing him back. Yeah, look at me knowing something that was comic bookish. Yeah, boom. yeah. DC is killing it right now. By the way, with some of the stuff that they're launching, I just got uh, Green Lantern number one, Green Arrow number one's really good. Wonder Woman's uh, really good right now. Uh, there's Huge a run. Fan of Wonder Woman. There's a run on the Flash that's getting ready to come to an end with issue number eight hundred. I think Jeremy Adams is ending his run on the Flash, which has been really fun with Wally West. They're doing they're doing a lot of really good stuff over at DC right now. Marvel needs to be taking notes. They have been resting on their laurels for far too long. Amazing Spider-Man is junk right now. Yeah, makes big, me, it makes me mad how huge, bad it is. Huge fan of Linda Carter. I don't know how are we still on. 100%. Yeah, yes. big fan. Yes. Linda Carter, Gal Gadot, big fans. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, somehow we got to there to Portal Watch. Yeah. Uh, they were both they were both really good Wonder Womans. Wonder Womans? Wonder Women? 
Wonders Woman? I believe you're the wordsmith of the group. They were both great Dianas. Okay. Um, Davion Hood, I don't know how we got there. But, but uh, Hood, yes. Hood goes to Temple. He's going to Temple. Uh, I don't believe there's anybody else in football that has landed ETSU. Uh, if they have commits, remember, we can't comment on that until they're officially signed. And even if they do commit, that doesn't mean they're still coming, that type deal. We've had those before. The, that can fall through potentially, yes. So uh, our great uh, compliance director, Eric Baumgartner, will give us the go-ahead when we can begin discussing those prospects in detail. Yes, and so uh, so a lot of people are thinking, well, can't you talk about the basketball guy? Same thing. Uh, exactly they, the same thing. They have thing. committed. They've not Once it is uh, okay for us to talk about, we will talk about that. With Hood going to Temple, I don't really right. care what Temple's rules are. Cause it ba- basically, rule of thumb is if you see a press release on ETSUbucks.com about a player, we can talk about that player. And if you don't, we probably can. Yeah, that's Great rule of thumb to say. Um, so that's what we got on uh, ETSU players mm-hmm. landing now on the ETSU front in basketball. Another one's kind of surprising winning because you just talked to him like a week and a half ago. Two weeks ago, Josh Taylor seemed really locked in. You know, he, he had thought about leaving, but had ultimately made the decision like it makes the most sense for me to stay and stick this out. And then um, after the semester ended, obviously there was um, – you know, I don't know if there were conversations had or what, but there was clearly a change in um, direction. And Josh is now in the transfer portal. And Josh will have to sit out a year uh, if he transfers to another institution. Yes, um, that uh, same thing as Jalen Haynes. I did talk to Jalen Haynes. So people have been asking, you've been asking. I finally talked to Jalen Haynes uh, right before he left to go uh, back to uh uh, Fort Lauderdale, um, yep. you know, his home city, and his three schools that he was looking at, and the first one I don't think is going to shock anybody, South Florida, because that's where Desmond Oliver's at as an assistant coach. The next two were a bit striking to me, and I'll get in that in just mm-hmm. a second, but one uh, was St. John's with Rick Patino, and the yes. other Chris Beard at Ole Miss. Um, and so those are the three that were interested that he was going to talk to later this week and try to get a feel for what would be a great landing spot for him. So that's what I've got on the Jalen Haynes front that a lot of people have been asking what schools. Yeah. Um, South Florida makes the most sense to me for him just because of the relationship with uh, Dez and everything that I think yes. would go in there. I would have a hard time seeing him. If he couldn't stay with Mike Young, I can't imagine Rick Patino that working out um just how they operate and chris beard would be interesting but i would be curious to see how well he would be doing at old miss i think south florida would be a great spot for him it's close to i think home. yeah i think he'd play a lot there um, i think des could protect him and help him along the way I, his I, footwork's really good i mean he's he's great on the floor getting to the basket doing all those things uh offensively a really really effective post player and uh, i you know he's still he still has moments where he plays emotional instead of playing with emotion, right? Think back to the Citadel game where he got the two technicals in a matter of seconds and got ejected uh, late in that ball game. But uh, the talent is evident. I mean, you watch 10 minutes of Jay Haynes and you can see just how good uh, that, that young man is on a basketball court. So uh, he will um, need a waiver to play right away. And as you and I have discussed, there are more specific and stringent criteria for a waiver um, than there have been in the past. When the one-time transfer went into effect, say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really crack down on waivers, and it's gonna be very very difficult to get one. So I'm interested to see if guys that have already used their one-time transfer, like Haynes and Taylor, uh, w- what they run into as far as the challenge of are we going to be able to get a waiver? Do Does a school want to go through the time and effort to try to get a specific player a waiver to play right away? How does that process unfold? Could be really fascinating to watch and, and learn a lot about the precedents the NCAA is willing to set in the transfer portal era. And we'll wait and see because I have my doubts. I think in theory it's great. Hey, we give everybody one time. You know the consequences of you go once, you get a free. That's the trade-off. And unless you graduate, we'll give you another one. But if you don't, you've got to, you know, go by the old rule. You've got to sit out. Yes. In theory, I think that's a good kind of hybrid. 
Now I'm just curious about the execution because, as you know, I have zero faith in NCAA doing that. And if they allow a couple, I'll be curious to see what criteria they allowed and if, you know, again, if people, because let's be honest, people know how to work a system, and once they figure out, hey, they're approving these waivers, well, guess what type of waivers? Because it first started with, you know, the, uh, I can't remember the young man's name, but um, his father was sick, and he was moving back home. Was it the tight end at Virginia Tech? <sighs> I was trying to remember. Cause it, I think it was a tight end or a lineman at Virginia. I want to say it was Virginia or Virginia Tech. And so they were able to get – and because he, he was – now, in fairness, he was playing on the other side of the country. And so he was coming back on, but that that was the first waiver, and then it was like, and again, I get it. There are kids um, that are in college that are dealing with illnesses and things of whatever that can affect you, and you try to find a school next to who was it? You got it. Um. So there was a yeah, it was Brock Hoffman was an offensive lineman who was seeking immediate eligibility as a transfer from Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech due to a family medical issue. Hoffman was denied uh, off the bat by the NCAA and then denied again on appeal. And they did the same thing to Raheem Blackshear, the running back at Virginia Tech uh, the following year. So that was 2019 and 2020. So... uh... You were able to get oh, – this is a basketball guy, too. There was like – but the basketball guy was actually the one that won. Okay. That got the appeal. Football was the one that got started. Yes. So we're on the same wavelength on what we're talking about. Uh, one of the basketball guys actually got it, and I think the guy's dad ended up passing away in the middle of the, the year that he went to transfer the school. Yeah. So it was, it was very terminal. It was very – and so then it was a lot of fan- – and you know, again, terminal illness, I get it, but that opened the door for a lot of people. Like, hey, I, you know, I got a sick aunt or cat or whatever people, and so then it, they were like, well, we can't, you know, uh, when do we draw the line on who's sick, who's not? So, anyway, that led to that. Then it led to okay, well, now, you know, what if a coach left? What you know? And it went down the whole list. And then finally, I think NCAA had enough. They said, you know what, football and basketball are the only sports, and in baseball, eventually made the rule too but many 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 years baseball had a free one-time transfer yes um because at at one point the there were only before the rule was implemented there were only five sports that had the year in residence and they were football men's and women's basketball baseball and men's ice hockey I I always forget about ice hockey. Yes, ice hockey's had that rule for a while Well, because nobody around here has a team right 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 but but the nearest team is what probably ohio state I'd have to do it. No, like Alabama that. Huntsville. Well, I don't know if that program's still around. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but up until baseball, there were four. Baseball made the fifth. Right. But all the other sports knew that. So, it did make sense of why are we penalizing these sports and not others, which I agree with, and so they went away from it. But if you transfer again, the other sports, you they're not giving waivers. You have to sit out. So, I'll be curious to say, long story short, how will they deal with that? I'm not advocating for Haynes and Taylor specifically not to be – I want everybody because I want a system that eventually works. Yes. And it is some sort of – because if it's just allowed five moves and five and, – and again, and again, I get it. Not everyone's looking for a degree. People are looking to play. But I think at some point, you know, I think college athletics has to somewhat act like it is a college and student athlete is somewhat a part of the deal. Uh, playing is a part of the deal, but some of the other stuff. So I don't want to get off on my tangents as I normally do. Let's go back to basketball and other portal watch because I thought there were two big notes in the Southern Conference, non-ETSU related. One, Quest Glover did find a place. He's going to BYU. Yes. Probably a pretty good fit, to be honest with you, just looking at some things at BYU and who they're losing and some of the things they were looking for. They now, really need a is point BYU guard. joining the Big 12 this year or next year? Mm, them in Cincinnati and everybody else, that's a great question. Um, I did not. Well, you're either going to play in a pretty good, what, West Coast Conference or Pac-12. So, yes. Or Big 12, I'm sorry. I so, uh, BYU is joining the Big 12 on July 1st. So, so with Quez Cincinnati is going. Cincinnati yeah, and all Cincinnati, the- Houston, and UCF. Yeah. So, Quez Glover is a Power 5 Again. grad transfer. Yes. Because he goes from Florida to Sanford to BYU. Yeah, because he went, what was it? Did he go straight from Florida to Sanford, or was there another school before that? No, uh, Florida to Sanford. Florida to Sanford to BYU. Yeah, yep. Knoxville native to Florida to Sanford to 
BYU. Yes. And in the other news, the Citadel, I thought, got a tremendous get. Uh, Quentin uh, Melora Brown? How are we saying that? Melora? Melora. Melora, that's what I've got. Melora? Melora. Melora, that's what I got. That's what I – look, I, I thought – thought it was but again you're a little better at that but Quentin Melora Brown 6'10 245 center from Vanderbilt is going to use uh you know the grad school to go live on the beach there in Charleston South Carolina not wear the uniform and play for uh, Ed Conroy so I think that is an outstanding get for the Citadel so that's the big Southern Conference uh, kind of news as far as the portal goes in, in basketball. Quez lands outside the league. Citadel, I think, gets a solid guy. It's going to start for him right away. You know, yeah. to, to me, Stephen Clark goes to South Carolina. Good for him. I'm not real sure if that's not a better fit for the new system uh, to bring in Milroy Brown. Melora yes. Brown, excuse me. Yeah, and now you're really glad that you have Jaden Parker because you need somebody with the same kind of length. To match up with him. And you can take that weapon. Because you know that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams uh, in terms of matchups. Like, you know it is. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Sorry, I think it's a bumper on you a little earlier there. But I'm excited. We got a guest. Yes, we do. We do have a guest. A little bit. We'll hear from Matt's Aga in men's golf. But right now... The Southern Conference Women's Tennis Player of the Year. Uh, a great capstone to an incredible career at the number one single spot for Lelo Bakodirova. Yes. Uh, I've got to give it the Russian. We could say Bakodirova, and it's like, that just feels like a concession. <laughs> we want to do this on on your terms, kind of how you ended your career on your terms. Lelo, um, you've had a few days to kind of process the end, you know, Vanderbilt and, and everything, um, but uh, how have the last couple of days been for you you know emotionally physically as you kind of recover from the grind of a season and and don't have to immediately turn around and and start prepping for something else now um mentally of course it's a sad moment for me because you know playing tennis for my whole life and coming to this moment of a last college match and it, it was really sad it was upsetting I I never thought that I would say this but I really want to go back to practice right now <laughs> uh, but my knees are like no you're done <laughs> but um, it's really upsetting I mean I'm proud of all the work we've done as a team proud of all the work that I've done individually in these five years in college and um, you know time before college all that competition practices and work ethic that I've built throughout the years, of course, is going to help me in the future in my life, you know, wherever I go, whatever I do. But the part of being athlete is for sure um, ended for me. Yeah. You, you were telling me before we started the interview that you wanted, you were looking forward to doing normal people things like job hunting. <laughs> yes, like job hunting, apartment hunting, you know, like uh, meal prep, like meal planning, maybe start a social media uh, I don't know. Like you want to you you be like a, like a yeah like a foodie on TikTok or something? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Hi everyone. Today we're making overnight oats. <laughs> well, what do you put in your overnight oats? Um, I'm lactose intolerant, so I put all the milk that I can. <laughs> oh wow. Oh okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, usually nothing too sweet. I'm not yeah. a big sweet tooth, so maybe some berries, um, cinnamon, a little bit nutmeg. Okay. Yeah. Now, it is interesting that you say that because you come from Central Asia. You come from Uzbekistan yes. uh, to the United States. And um, in addition to the, the language and that barrier, you also probably had a barrier with the food because we all have like everything has an, an impossible amount of sugar <laughs> in it over here. How much of an adjustment was not even language, but just the lifestyle of like eating and getting around? How much of an adjustment was that for you over the last few years? Well, I'll say this. My freshman year, I used to weigh about 120 pounds. Then I came to America and discovered Doritos. We don't have them back home. Okay. So I used to eat a family size pack of Doritos a week. So, so the freshman 15 got to you. Uh, That's freshman 25 hit me. <laughs> it was horrible. And then as a freshman, I didn't have a car, but I still very enthusiastically walked to cookout across the road. Cause, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. my, cookout was a discovery, definitely. I, I, was, I remember when they opened that cookout. And I mean, the, the line goes out into the street, especially at like... If you go over there at 10 o'clock at night, it's just, it's out into the street. You can't drive past it. You have 
to just sit there and go through it. It's uh, yeah, that's that's definitely. I I had the opposite because I ate way less when I was a freshman at Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then I transferred here and discovered all those drive throughs <laughs> And so I kind of ran into what you ran into where the freshman 15 became the, the sophomore 17, 20. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's such a, a fascinating change and it's such a demanding lifestyle to be a performance athlete uh, yeah. when you're surrounded by so much. Because all that food, I talk about all that sugar, it is good. It is good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the food is really good. So it's you know you have all of that and and you're trying to enjoy life as a young person and also still meet the the rigors of competition, which has got to be tough. Yeah, after my freshman year first semester, I sat down with the coach and he was like, "Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. We got to do better here." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Cuz I started getting injured, you know, all of those eating mm-hmm. habits, those were not good for me yeah. and Back home, I was not allowed to drink soda, and here, you know, those big two-liter Coke bottles. Oh. How long did it take you to put away a two-liter as a freshman? Uh, two days. <laughs> I, I used to be obsessed with that. It was yeah. my to-go meal, Coke and Doritos. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that, that is definitely a classic American snack, so you got that cultural experience. Yeah, but then, um, since I was a kid, I loved cooking. And my mom used to be away the whole day. She works in police. So it was just me and my brother. So I had to cook for us. And that's how I learned how to make some of the national meals from back home. But then I came here and I learned how to make a lot of things from back home. Like Mm. I talked to my mom like, hey, mom, I I made bread from back home. And she goes like, how do you know how to do that? I'm like, I have internet. I just can't Google (laughs) things, you know. The definitely cooking like I cook every day Mm -hmm. I cook something from back home so I'm not making a big adjustment here because yes the ingredients are different like rice is different here meat is different here but still you know something from back home I could take it with me like that skill definitely helped me throughout my college career so growing up as as a young woman in Uzbekistan you probably couldn't find Johnson City Tennessee on a map so how did you end up connected with Ricky Rojas and, and ETSU and coming to Johnson City, Tennessee on literally the other side of the world to get an, a, an education and compete? Um, a lot of people ask me that, actually. How did you end up in Johnson City? And um, after I graduated high school, I decided to go pro. I played pro for a year. So I went to university back home. It was a mm-hmm. university of physical culture and Olympic reserve, something like that. <laughs> Um, I was studying to be a coach, but it was just like, you know, a backup plan just to play. And at some point I was, I was doing pretty good. I was somewhere around in 900s in WTA, okay. but my family just ran into the issue where they couldn't finance my tennis anymore. And that's how like the decision to go to college tennis came, like appeared out of nowhere. I had to find a college in about two months because it was what was it? uh January I think in January my dad was like hey you're going to college I'm like great and in February I started talking to coaches for the fall semester mm-hmm. and I was actually so decided to go to Northwestern in Louisiana okay yes. Northwestern State yeah Yes, and um, everything was great connected with a coach great and at some point he gets fired so Wow. Yeah, that was a bummer. Then I find out of nowhere still a Georgia State coach. Same thing, you know, determined to go there, everything, documents are sent, coach gets fired. Wow. Yes. Um, At that point, I'm stressing out, have to pass my exams to come here and everything. And um, coach from North Florida reaches out, and I'm like, okay, great, here are my test results. And she goes like, this is too low, sorry. Ooh. Yeah, and that's how Ricky came came in out of nowhere. She connected me with Ricky. I was like, "Hey, this is it, this and that. I want to start playing in fall." Yeah. Like these are my test scores, you know, they're, those are not great, but please help. <laughs> and I don't know, somehow me and Ricky, we we just connected mm-hmm. immediately. You know, talking to him, he would make jokes and my parents don't really speak English, so my mom <laughs> our first FaceTime call, my mom goes like, ah, Ricky Morton. I'm like, no, <laughs> mom, 
just cut it. It was, I was terrified. Like, there's no way that's the first thing you say to a coach. Your mom called Ricky Rojas Ricky Martin. Yes. She's like, oh, Ricky, like Ricky Martin. I'm like, mom, no, no. Oh, that that is... Well, and then you came over here and you lived La Vida Loca for, for the last five years. Um, yes. So, um, okay, you, you build this rapport with Ricky. It's interesting to hear you talk about this process, though, because, I mean, in America, college athletes um, typically get, especially like really good ones, successful ones in, in college, have been identified when they're like 14, 15 years old, and they start getting recruited very, very early in life. And for you, it was really compressed and... And almost kind of desperate trying to, to, to find a place to come and, and, and play and compete. Yeah, when I was 17, coaches started reaching out to me because okay. I was playing in juniors and starting to play professionally. But at that point, I was like, no, I'm going pro. There is no option to play in college for me. You know, I'm, I'm doing it. So I, I rejected all the schools that, that were texting me. And now I was going through messages it's like texting them. And I'm like, no, I'm going pro. No. So, yeah. Yeah, and then then you end up here, and and it ends up being the best decision you ever made, right? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I never thought in my life that I would connect so much with a place in my life. You know, like Johnson City for me. When I when I say someone, oh yeah, we're we're going back home, and back home for me is Johnson City at this point, because COVID and everything happened. I haven't been home for two and a half years. Um, so starting my sophomore year, sophomore year summer, I went back home and I didn't get a chance to go back home after that. So I went back home this summer and everything was so different for me. I mean, food was food was great. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, you know, not being in my routine here felt really weird. I, I had like an imposter syndrome. Like I'm not really fitting home in my home country but I'm still an international student at Johnson City, so yeah. it was. It felt weird. Yeah, Th- this place does have that ability to just like once you're here and you experience it, it kind of gets in your blood. What have you loved the most about living in Northeast Tennessee and and in Appalachia and just being around this this community and the the the, the geography? I mean, the mountains are obviously fantastic, yeah. but what what have you liked the most about living here? People are really nice around here. Like, I went to do my internship up north to Jersey. Okay. People are mean there. <laughs> yes. And and here everyone smiles at you. Like, back home, people don't, don't smile at you randomly. So my first year was a cultural shock. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people just passing you and saying, hi, I'm like, do I know this person? I don't think so. And now, when I went back home in, like, first time in three years, and I smile at someone in the line, they legitimately thought I was flirting with them. I was like, I am not. I am so sorry, but this is just what we do. My mom was like, why are you smiling at that person? Like, And it's just normal here, you know, right. just to greet yeah. someone and like have a nice day. Like, hi, sweetheart. How are you? <laughs> How's your day going? Uh, it's just, it feels right now, but at the moment it was different. So I feel like I fell in love with, with the culture here with people, how they introduce themselves how they make you feel welcomed Lalo I want to ask you how it felt to right at the end of your career cross off all the goals that you set for yourself you become a player of the year you take this team back to the NCAA tournament Um, I know that you had been shaking your fist wanting to beat Furman (laughs) for a while and you do it what you you won twice in the span of a week and uh, you know the team comes up short in Greenville and that sparks the run uh, for you in Chattanooga. But I I mean, right at the end, all these things that you've wanted to do for years and years and years, you did them kind of all at once. How did that feel? I mean, it felt amazing. It felt like a perfect ending to this story, to my college career. And, you know, considering the amount of work that we put in as a team, me personally, me with Ricky, like communicating back and forth, like whatever he taught me, whatever my team taught me, it, all just came up together at the end and the results show it like team results personal results it just it's all the work that we put in beforehand now you are going to pursue a master's at etsu is my understanding is that correct yes that's the plan right now that's the plan right now okay um 
what do you want to do with the next few months or maybe the next year, maybe take a gap year before you begin your master's? What do you want to do with that time that you haven't gotten to do in the United States yet? I would say I definitely want to travel. Okay. Travel not as a tennis player, but as a, you know, as a it's tourist. It's different, yeah, yes. it's different. Because as a tennis player, like, I can tell you, I've been to most of the states. It was great. But you go to those trips. If it's a short trip, you basically just see the hotel, tennis courts, maybe a restaurant that you go to eat in. But it's not like you go sightseeing or, you know, do touristy things. And and some of the college towns you go to, there's not many sites to see. True. Like, Ricky's been great about it because he knows we're a lot of, like, international kids in the team. And if we go to, like trip to hawaii this year that was mind-blowing oh yeah yeah um like we went to like all around hawaii just to see all those pretty places and he was cool about it like you know he was the one who was like go do something go see this place and yeah and same in florida like we went to miami heat game it was oh there you unreal go. that's awesome yes and they ended up beating the first seed on the tournament. So yeah, Jimmy Butler is just taking the world by storm. So so we're saying that we we have an impact on that. Yeah, he he got he got the Buccaneer bump. Is yep, what it was. yep, that's it. And, yeah, and Ricky is great about it. Like he tries to take us to places and do fun things, and you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not just about tennis for him. It's about building memories during this mm-hmm. during this time. Like he says, yeah physically we're all great but sometimes you need that mental recharge and he does that great he's he's like our dad basically (laughs) (laughs) and we always make fun of him whenever we're in the airport and he does like the dad walk the speed speed walk (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about yes and i think i've done that too and i'm not even a dad but i've done that too (laughs) but yeah and we we always joke around that ricky has seven daughters (laughs) 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 in the face of us and he doesn't need anyone else (laughs) oh yeah what where do you want to go in the united states because there's so many different places you can go i mean you can go backpacking in utah and like mount zion or you can go to um you can go surfing in Hawaii or California, right? You can go climb a mountain in Washington. I mean, there's so many things that you can do all across the country. And that's just like four states that I just mentioned. Like there's a whole other country. What do you want to do um, that's like really sticks out at you? It's like, I want to experience this. I really want to go to Chicago and okay. Seattle. All right. I don't know. I've heard so many things that the cities are beautiful and I just want to see it, you know? Just- okay go there and experience yeah seattle is is amazing the airport's actually really cool like you can see mount rainier uh there's this big atrium space like it's a big big open windows you can see mount rainier and um it's just breathtaking like the the views are really incredible the traffic is a nightmare but the (laughs) views are incredible uh and chicago is kind of the same way uh but i will recommend go to, go to wrigley field if you're okay. going to chicago experience the chicago cubs that's just kind of a a, a, a tradition i guess a, a pastime unlike any other but um lalo as we come to the end of this conversation which is i mean you and i could sit here and talk for an hour <laughs> i could i could ask you so many things about so many things um, because your worldview is incredible. It's incredibly mature um, for someone of your age. And, and um, I want to ask you, when we talk about Lelo Bakadirova in 10 years, right, in 15 years, uh, as, as we talk about your legacy at ETSU, what do you want people to remember about Lelo? The fight that I put on court, my work ethic, that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to give my everything every day out there. And I want people to be like, I want to be like Layla, you know? Yeah. Like if Ricky's here in 10 years, <laughs> which I can see, I can see that. He, he will be like, there was a player, her name is Layla, and he used to, he used to fight. Yeah. There, there was no match that she just gave up, you know? And everyone hated her for that. <laughs> On court, she would not give up and... You know, and the way how we support each other, I want it to be like a staple in in the teams in the future. You know, after we graduate, 
after new people come in, I want them to support each other like like we did. Because whatever we had in the team, it was a family connection. It wasn't just, you know, she's my teammate on court. No, like all of them on and off the court, we, we never let each other down. I think the truly great and memorable players in any sport get remembered by their first name, <laughs> right? Like, uh, and I mean, I could I could go with so many different examples, but I mean, we don't we don't shorten Lalo Bakodirova to Lalo because <laughs> Bakodirova is tricky to say. Yes, we shorten it because it's just it, you you've, you've made a lasting impact on all of us. Thank you. You've been a real favorite of the athletic department, <laughs> and we're super proud of what you've done, and we're so glad that you found this corner of the world to your liking, and we look forward to seeing you around, Lalo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Jane Keith Podcast, it is Southern Conference Championship Show. I don't know what to call this shit. Uh, the, uh, the Podcast of Champions. Podcast of Champions? Us? Uh, unfortunately, no. No. Okay. Well, you got my hopes up. Yeah. Well, we've already heard from uh, Lelo Bakodirova uh, from Women's Tennis, uh, Player of the Year in that sport. And now we've got the Player of the Year in SoCon Men's Golf, which uh, I hear is a pretty good team that uh, Jake Amos has... Uh, put together uh, for the third straight year trying to get to nationals. Uh, they won the Southern Conference, won it on the back nine, and um, our our guest is a big part of why Matt's Ega. I say it right? Yeah, that's good. Okay. All right. Good. I, I try. I try to. I try to meet. I try to meet our international students where they are in terms of saying their names instead of just like, oh, I'll just say it however I want. <laughs> you'll go with it. So, uh, Matt's, we appreciate you being here, man. Um, what have the last few days been like for you? It kind of sounds like you've been living the dream. Wake up, play golf, work out, go back to bed for the last four or five days. Yeah, no, honestly, ever since final finished, that's basically all we do. We wake up, work out, play golf. Yeah, it's literally all we do from uh, sunrise to sunset. We just play golf. So, uh, well, I mean, that's that's not a bad thing to do when you're, you know, expecting to play in a national tournament in, in golf. So, I want to talk to you. You just won a qualifier, um, like a regional qualifier for the U.S. Open yes. up in Maryland. And we were talking about that before the interview started, uh, how different the the flight of the ball is there versus here where you're at altitude. You know, you're hitting above the, the flag a lot of times. Um, what was that experience like for you? What was the biggest challenge? And um, how how did you, I guess, find the groove that you really found on the back nine um, in Greensboro for the SoCon Championship? You just seemed to rattle off you know, shot after shot and, and find yourself at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, no, this week at Maryland, I, I teed off really early in the morning, okay. and it was just it was brutal. The first few holes into the win, and it was cold, and ball was going absolutely nowhere. Um, but I got off to a really good start and kind of just took it a little easier from there. Did a few mistakes, but I played overall really good golf, golf that day, and uh, yeah, secured a dub. Yes, and so now, what's the next step for you uh, in in that process? Because I think there's like one more round of qualifiers and then if you clear that you're in the u.s open right? exactly yes so i think it's june 5th i got another qualifier which is 36 holes in one day uh, and i'm probably going up to ohio somewhere um for that one and um, it's 36 holes i'm not sure how many guys is playing but it's about top 10 gets uh, into the u.s open how hard is it to not psych yourself out about that because I think like okay I'm playing in one of the biggest tournaments on earth this is going to be a this is a huge thing like the the juices have got to be flowing for that definitely I yeah I mean you're just gonna go out there try do your best really and just kind of see where it lands you mm -hmm. um obviously go, trying to go into it with the mentality to just win it um I, I don't like the mentality of going in to just okay I'm just gonna go 10th I know 10th is probably just as good as the first but I feel like if you're, okay, I'm just going to get 10th. It's a little easy if you get off to a good start and 
slow down from there, and you're just trying to give it all you got from start to finish, really. So uh, we're kind of working backwards. We're working from most recent, and then we'll probably, by the end, we'll get to, like, you coming to ETSU and talking about, you know, transferring and, and all of that. But next, I want to talk about the SOCON tournament because you were a big part. You and, and, and Maddie Dodberry were at the top of the leaderboard at the end of it, and the back nine... Everybody just seemed to find another gear. I mean, Algot didn't have a great weekend. Algot clean, but he seemed to just like get into a rhythm on the back nine and hit some big shots and kind of pull up the back end of the team score. And I think you birdied six of the back nine. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So what what lit that fire under you that just everything seemed to be going right? Yeah, no, that last round was kind of interesting. Um, on the first nine, I felt like I did a lot of things right and got really punished for the few mistakes I did. So, I don't know, my, I was probably one over after nine, I think. I think so, yeah. And it didn't feel like a nine under. It felt like it could have been three under easily. Um, but I kind of just, I talked to Coach in the fairway on 10 and knew where we're at, we were nine or 11 behind or something. And... I heard some of the guys made a birdie, and yeah, you just try to do your best, really. Um, yeah, I had some really good shots, made a few putts, and yeah, before we knew it, we're standing in the 18th fairway, and I know I can still make a bogey and be fine. So uh, it's obviously a really good feeling. Um, it was a lot of uh, mental work coming down the back nine, I think, um, especially for me being in like the individual uh, individual. Uh, race two um but yeah i was playing with the guy that was kind of closest to me uh apart from maddie um so i saw him make a few mistakes coming down the stretch and kind of did the opposite made a few birdies instead and yeah made me really relaxed going down the last yeah conroy did kind of melt down there at the end i think he bogeyed the last four holes he did yeah does that so does that make it easier or harder to make the shots you need to make because it's like okay well, this other guy is, you know, he's fading. I've got my opportunity. But at the same time, if you also make the same mistakes he's making, then you blow that opportunity. Exactly. So definitely, we both bogeyed, I think, 15. Both of us three-putted or something. Um, but then he hit in the water on 16. I had a great drive. And um, I see him dropping over there, and I'm like, okay, I got my chance. If I hit this, it's I got a little wedge in. If I just hit it close, make the putt. I got a, yeah, big chance at this. And uh, I hit it to like two feet and, yeah. Okay, so you came here, I mean, to do this, really. Like, you came here to win. You came here to be part of a program that's, you know, been Golf Channel called y'all a mid-major juggernaut um, went during the selection show. You're the sixth seed in Las Vegas. You came here from Cal State Northridge. And um, that was a decision that, I mean, it, it's tough to undertake because – when you transfer, especially as, an, as somebody is coming from outside the United States, you don't know anybody at your new school. So what went into the decision to leave and why was ETSU the right decision for you? Yeah, definitely where I was before, I had a few Norwegian friends and that kind of how I got into the school. Um, but I, I just felt like I kind of grew out of my environment there a little bit and kind of wanted something better, a better golf schedule and better facilities and kind of everything. So I feel like I definitely got that. Um, I didn't know anything. When I was uh, looking for schools, I literally just Googled best facilities in the U.S. golf, and I got this really shady article, and I scrolled down to, like, number four, and I see East Tennessee State, and I was like, oh, never heard of this school. I start clicking in, look at the pictures, and it's like, wow, this is great. And next thing I know, I sent Coach an email, and I got back. he got back to me the next day, and, yeah, went good from there. That's <laughs> so so, so did, did you actually get to come in on a visit to see it in person before you committed or just the pictures and coach talking? And I'm sure he sold you on the history and the players and, and all the tradition we have here. Yeah, no, definitely. There was some sort of like dead period where I couldn't visit when I was talking to coach. And it was kind of during that um, last part of uh, COVID too. So it was a little bit of trouble with that. It was some rules that allowed me to not come visit. Um, so instead, I uh, I'd school online in California. So I went home, got a massive summer break, and kind of got ready for the the first year here. 
So talk about, you know, you, you get here, there's a tradition, you know, you guys won last year, got a chance to repeat. Just talk about kind of being on the mountaintop and knowing that all the other teams in the league kind of have that, that target around you where they, they really, really like trying to beat ETSU. Yeah, no, I, I kind of love being in that position where everybody kind of expect you a little bit to win and everybody wants to beat you. Um, I Yeah, I just kind of enjoy that. Like, um you know they're out for you, and it's, yeah, you just got to give it all you got. You can't slack around and do anything, so, yeah, I enjoy it. This is also, uh, I mean, I, I did the math on this. The So the Power 5 conferences, you know, SEC, ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, they get a ton of bids to postseason tournaments in every sport, and they did in men's golf this year as well. The SOCON got the sixth most bids to the NCAA tournament in men's golf this year, right behind those conferences that spend 10 times what ETSU spends on golf that, you know, they have way more resources and they do all these other things. And, you know, they're kind of in the limelight. You guys are right there with them that this whole league is, what does it mean to you, not just to be at a great program, but to be at a program that's surrounded by other really competitive high-level golf programs. Definitely. I feel like the SoCon's never been better than it has, especially for golf. Um, and it was fun to see this year because we know there's – I conference this year, we know there's four teams who's already going to regionals, and it's still competitive. Everybody wants to beat us, and we don't want to get beat by anybody. So, What does – okay, so what's the – when you see a SoCon team competing somewhere else – and it's like there's no stakes for you other than if they have success, it makes you look good. Do you want them to do well, or are you kind of like, man, I want you to face plant so badly it, because we compete against you? No, if they're playing another tournament that we're not playing, yeah, uh, yeah go have at it, win it. But if they're playing with us, we're beating them. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. Does it does it add a little extra something to the regional when you have another SoCon school in it, like you will with Las Vegas and UNCG? I would say so, yeah. Definitely. We don't want to get beat by anybody in the conference. That's just how it is. Um, I think UNCG already got one on us at Piners this year. And, yeah, it hurts a little bit, obviously. They've been a great team this year. But, yeah, you always hurt to get beat by somebody in the conference. It's a little extra. You're from Norway. Um, That's obviously a very different part of the world from Northeast Tennessee. Um, What about coming to the United States to play college golf appealed to you? Just opportunities, really. Uh, Great facilities. Um, Yeah, it's been cold in the winters back home in Norway, but I haven't spent too many winters there, luckily. Um, But, yeah, just opportunity, really. Um, Get good facilities, good coach, good schedule. Yeah, all that. Where would you go to play golf? Would you go to Spain? Would you go to Italy? We went a lot to Spain, actually. Yeah, and then uh, a friend of mine has a house in Florida, so I went there for a few Christmases, so it worked out. So you kind of knew about like life in the United States before you committed to come to the United States to play in California in the first place. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, for us in Norway, college the last few years has gotten a lot bigger than it was, mm. uh, especially with people like Victor kind of oh, yeah. leading the way for that. And uh, yeah, so yeah, if, ever since I really started high school, college was the way I was going. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. We were having a conversation about the state of the sport right now because I mean, you know about Rory McIlroy because everybody around this program knows yes. about Rory. Um, First of all, how did you so the letter his letter of intent is still up at the Warren Green Golf Center. How did you find that? Cuz everybody finds that for the first time. Yeah, no, I just remember walking into coach's office. I didn't know anything about this. This is probably one of the first first times some at the facility. I just walk into coach's office and I just look at the wall and it's like hmm, Rory McIlroy, what's this? And I see it says uh, letter of intent and I started asking questions like why is this here? And uh, I didn't know uh, he signed a letter of intent with uh, the school, so I was really surprised, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, does that something that you look at and say like, okay, I made the right choice to come here? If he was going to come here, definitely. Before he goes pro. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think it's awesome. Yeah, and also ETSU 
maybe more than any sport, men's golf places professionals. You think about Seamus Power had a really good run at the Masters last year. Uh, Adrian Merong just won his second European Tour tournament. Uh, I mean, these these guys are really good. Uh, does that add or did that add any appeal to you? Did you know about that as you were, you know, vetting the facilities and talking to Jake and doing all those things like, hey, here's a pro from ETSU. Here's a pro from ETSU. These guys having success. I can go here and use this as a springboard into a pro career. I I didn't look too much at the pros when I uh, first committed, actually. There's, um, but I definitely do now. It's like, wow, wow, this, they're at, yeah, I'm following their footsteps, kind of. So I think it's awesome, but I didn't look too much at it in the beginning, no. So the, the part of why I brought up the pro game is we didn't mention Victor Hovland in that conversation for the interview, and I was like, well, duh, that that should have been the first guy out of my <laughs> mouth because Norwe- we got a Norwegian sitting here, Norwegian – you know, having a great run uh, in the PGA. The PGA Tour maybe has never been this deep at, at the top. What do you think of just the landscape of the game? And when you see, like, there are 15 or 20 guys that have a chance to post a really good run or, or even win a tournament on any given weekend, what does that do for you and, and your aspirations to play the game at a high level? I feel like you just got to send it. These guys are getting so good right now that, yeah. The, you can't slack around. You just got to give it all you got and kind of hopefully that's that'll be good enough. How have you seen the game grow? Because I think in the U.S. It, it's exploded, but I think internationally even more so than it has. Talk about just as a kid growing up, kind of the game of golf and what you've seen in your home country or abroad. Yeah, so when I grew up, I grew up in um, Christiansand, Norway. And when I first got introduced to golf, there's a lot of juniors. And um, I just had a bunch of people to practice with when I was a little kid, just on, like, the normal, like, club practices, stuff like that. And um, as I progressed, it got a little better. It got less and less juniors. Um, And then um, for high school, I moved away to another city for high school, uh, which was probably one of the best decisions I've done. Uh, It was a lot better environment, a a lot more competitive a lot more just people to practice with. Um, but, I, yeah, it was – I feel like that was a good decision, and, um, yeah. So when you um, you talk about the, the fields getting thinner as you go through juniors, when did you kind of have – did you have like an aha moment where uh, the this is something that I could do – I could be really, really good at this if I commit to it? Yeah, I probably did, but – Probably a lot earlier than this. Sh- I feel like it should have been. Um, I feel like somewhere in middle school. Whenever um, I started having like my dad would drop me off at the golf course in the summer, and I would stay there till seven um, at, uh, in the afternoon, and he would just pick me up after work. And I feel like I had a, f- a few summers like that, and uh, when I was really young, and those kind of just fueled is like, yeah, this is what I want to do, and then. Um, Eventually, I quit all the other sports like soccer, handball, whatever I played, just to play golf. And that was kind of, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. I was going to say, 7 o'clock in Norway is almost like 7 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, it, it, yeah, it's no. Like, it, long summers, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, in the summers, you can play golf till 12, at least. <laughs> it, it, you can almost play. It gets a little dark. It's not as dark as it does here, but it, it gets dark. But, yeah, you can play like, a lot of golf. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about – the NCAA coming up, and then I want to go back to the to the U.S. Open conversation. You guys haven't been there, competed at a high level, uh, and advancing past the regionals. How does that give you um, and your team, in your mind, an advantage going into this? Yeah, it definitely gives us a lot of confidence, knowing we have done this a few years in a row. Um, I know last year, like two years ago, I wasn't there, but they won it, which I think is massive. Uh, last year was a little more of a struggle, but we really got to together on the back nine. Last four or five, it was really close, and we kind of had a really good finish and got into that. So I think that got us um, got us going a little bit. Um, you know, it's good for us now to know that we really can do it, even though if we're not fully on it, we just kind of need to get together a little bit, and, yeah, we'll sort ourselves out. So let me follow up on that then because – chemistry is kind of interesting when you talk about tennis and golf because 
it's not like you're you know and i know tennis has doubles for that one but you're pretty much individual is the big thing and you got to play you're playing individual although it's a team game talk about the dynamics and chemistry and how that can work where you guys can feed off each other even though you're playing you know different holes at different times yes so when we tee off we tee off and like 10 minutes apart so you kind of always have one guy in front of you you have one guy behind you we, we kind of see each other quite a bit uh but if we make a birdie it's both hands in the air and you're kind of like showing off till not just the people you're playing with but especially the guy that your teammate behind you that's like i just made a birdie let's go like kind of that feeling and it's amazing i remember last year at regionals I hit it over the green on 17, and I have this really interesting chip up against the color of the rough, and I choose to hit like this bump and run hybrid, and it just rolls down the hill and goes in. And I remember, I think it was Alga and Coach on the tee box, they're waiting for me to finish the hole, and we're all just going nuts, hands in the air, just cheering. And I think that would be one of the, um, the moments I look back at when I'm done with college. So it's like that exact moment, it just... Yeah, the the feel like the really team feeling of it. You just yeah, it's amazing. So when I accidentally birdie, um, <laughs> and I flap my arms and and caca as loud as I can, you know, caca, and, and do th- do you do you find that to be overbearing or do you think that's acceptable? Oh, that's acceptable. I think so. Obviously, you're trying to not annoy your playing partners too much. Or oh no no no! Else, no. I, I mean, I am, but yes, I agree. But for you, for you in your situation, yeah. you can't do it. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can't really do that, but definitely a few hands in the air, just kind of really show off to the person behind you that you're doing well and kind of get them going too. I do feel like it's fun every once in a while when you're part of a group to just like everybody goes in knowing we're going to troll each other mercilessly the whole 18 holes. We we do that a little bit, but yeah. not in tournaments. Oh, sure. Whenever well, we play like like just go out and play for practice yeah. – we're, I would say we get a little louder, definitely, okay. but for sure. Who's the Who's the best, like trash talker, goofball type guy on the course on the team? Ooh, I'd say I'm pretty good at it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Everybody just yeah. Everybody talks a little bit of smack and uh, it, 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 yeah, it gets a little heated at times. It's fun. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that's the best part of like being a team that all gets along and likes each other is like it gets heated but it never goes over a line and it's never personal and then you put it all away and you just go you know you go run other teams off the course on, on the weekend exactly yeah it's such a it's such a weird feeling because you kind of go from practice and talking all this smack and just really wanting to beat your teammates and then the second we're done at the golf course it's, we're just like best buddies and like the five minutes before we're giving each other crap and it's just it's 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 really fun so i want to fast forward a little bit to the u.s open qualifying so you're allowed to have a cat do you use a caddy uh did you use a caddy will you use a caddy or do you kind of have your own little groove no i i didn't use caddy for the first one probably won't for the second one either um definitely if i got to use open you gotta have a caddy of course um but, Who would you go with? That'd be my question. All oh, right, yeah, is is there is there already people jockeying for? Oh yeah, this? yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a bunch of my friends just like, okay, if you make Alan and Caddy, Coach was actually the first one to like. He called me like whenever the second I was done with the rounds, like I want a caddy for you if you make it. <laughs> and I, okay, I was like, okay, sure. But I'll probably go with my Norwegian swing coach okay. uh, if he had a chance to. Um, he's caddy for me before. Can't say he did a great job because he dropped my rangefinder in the toilet. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, I would say that's not a great. But job. I, I would love to uh, give him another shot at it. If not, I'll definitely go with coach here. Did Did you get the rangefinder back? Did it still work? No, it didn't work. So, so my first that was the last tournament I played before I got over to the U.S. here this time, okay. uh, and I had to use coach's rangefinder here for uh, at least a month, just just to have something. So I I don't even I don't even know where to begin with that. That's incredible. Um, like did, so I don't even I don't know how far we want to go into this. <laughs> um, that's I've I've never heard of that before. Like I have I did one time drop a recording device in the toilet. Like but it but it still worked. Like it was still oh, it was intact afterward. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I've never heard anything like that. dropping a range. Have you ever dro- that sounds like something you would do, Sandoz? No, you that- drop a rangefinder in the toilet. Uh, yes, there. I've 
dropped several things. I've not dropped a rangefinder. I don't take it to the toilet though. No, I don't blame a, these like caddy vests has right, like yeah, this sure. pocket like, on oh, the front, and you're just oh, like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. whoops, bloop. Yeah, I, I caddy on the on the juniors for my daughter, and I wear I, the, the little caddy. Yeah, vest, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll bend down to pick something up and everything. It's like, no, I could see that. I could see that. I've got, I guess I've just not gone to the bathroom uh, when caddying for my daughter with the vest on. I guess so. Now, note to self. Yeah, take the wash out before I go to the bathroom. Yeah, or maybe uh, maybe like double sided tape the pockets. Yeah. Like put some velcro or some velcro inside the pockets, like seal them up, and that way when you go in to re- like you just pop the pocket open, go in, <laughs> grab something out of it. We just invented a whole new thing for caddies. Like we, sh- Jay, Jay, we should patent this and make a fortune. <laughs> yes, redo the caddy vest, yes. right, and do it and then sell it to every tour. That Tactical we can. caddy vest, yeah. Tactical, Tactical caddy vest with velcro uh, pockets, perfect <laughs> or something. Okay, so here's the ultimate question. Oh, I'm going to show you my swing. And I want a full breakdown of the swing, and I'll replay it again. There's your first look. I'm going to replay it for you thought. Now let's let's look at everything from the setup. There we go. All right, now I'm going to show you one more time. I want you to pay attention to the calves because they're spectacular and they got good lift on the end. Look at that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, good calves. What do we what do, what do, what do we see on the swing here for the hacker that is about a ten handicap? Hold on, let me see if I can get it play one more time. So I give you one last look at it. And then we're and then we're gonna get the full breakdown of Jay's self-taught golf swing. Never took a lesson. Yeah, right, no, it's uh, interesting. Oh no, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, when I when I tell people that are very good at golf and I've never played with them because uh-huh. I, I'm actually gonna play with Mike Holbert here soon. Nice. And he wants to play. And I said, Mike, I I, I will play because he wants. He said, yeah. Ah, you'll be fun to have around with. It'd be great. You know, you're funny. I said, but when I do, you have to promise me one thing. So what's that? I said, you cannot watch my swing. Just look forward and see where the ball goes. He goes, why? Well, because it's self-taught. It works for me. I got my own deal. But you can't watch it because it will. You'll you'll mind jam yourself figuring out how I actually hit the ball. That being said, what did you see? Yeah, no, I saw a lot of uh, action. It, I, it it could go straight. I it's assume not, it does. It's not simple. <laughs> it does. It does. I, again, it's worked I mean, for me. It's my swing, right? I've developed it over time. Yeah, no, um, I'm impressed. That you hit the ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it, it's That's not perfect. that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, your your suggestion would be what? If you had one thing out of that, and again, you just saw one particular swing at Top Golf. Basketball. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. The suggestion is switch to basketball. Yeah, yeah, d- different sport because I got good calves. I yeah, no, out. you got great calves. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Like Phil, Mac- Phil Mickelson, great calves. No. So yeah, no. Um, keep no, working I, I, on those. I think I think I think everybody I think everybody in here has great. I've I've been doing a little bit. I've been getting back into the weightlifting. So I like I've been working on my calves. So I think we've all got great calves. We're just the calf squad in here. Yeah. Put it on a t-shirt, calf squad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we the, the Janky Podcast show will just be two pictures of calves. That's what we should do for now. But it's but it's cows instead of our calf muscles. Oof, I am fat or chubby. I am also a little so, on the there. We side, go. So. All right, so um, let's see. Wait, we got to wrap this up. We've actually gone longer than what we should have, but uh, it's okay. It's been yeah, a great interview. Yeah, no, it's uh, good. Happy that. to be here. All right, so your your final thoughts going into the tournament, um, your expectations of of you know NCAA and and trying to advance to another championship. Yes, yeah. So we got the sixth seed, I think, for uh, Las Vegas. We don't feel like a sixth seed. We're going there to win, and yeah, we're going there to kick some ass, really. And then, um, yeah, it, it feels weird making a goal uh, about regionals because we're making goals by nationals. We want to do really good at nationals, and to do that, we got to do good at regionals. So we're definitely going to regionals to uh, kick some ass and win it. Uh, and then go to nationals and have a great year. I was gonna say, is the pressure on to get back to nationals when you've done it two years in a row? But it sounds like uh, you guys are pretty fired up to, to there, go do this. There's definitely some pressure. Obviously, you gotta play decent. There's a bunch of great teams there, but yeah, we're playing good right now. And yeah, is this the best this group has played all year? Are you playing your best golf? Yes, yes. I think uh, we're doing really well right now. Um, 
yeah, the last this semester's been amazing. Um, especially after Piners, I think we all played really good. We had a few guys show up show up every tournament, which is kind of what you need to win. You need somebody or a few people to go low, and then kind of the three and four guys just to kind of show up and do something. Um, and I feel like we've done that really well this semester. And uh, like see at conference, we have two guys going really low, and then the rest kind of just need to do all right yeah so um if we just keep doing that i think we'll be just fine all right we appreciate the time good luck to you and uh man we're, we're so excited to see what etsu men's golf can continue to do and grow the program yeah thank you happy to be here thanks Matt. and that's our podcast of champions although we got one more to go yeah, there you have it. That's uh, that was, that was pretty cool to be able to sit down with both of them. Both, I think, really interesting stories, and um, especially Lalo, you know, was just comes from literally the other side of the world, uh, and a very different place than the United States, and really has just kind of fallen in love with Northeast Tennessee. And glad, glad to hear that she might be sticking around for a little while. That's uh, that's a great, just a great presence to have around the department. Somebody that's been very popular with a lot of people on the uh, on the inside of the athletic department, and Matt's is a rising terrible star. judge of a golf swing sorry terrible judge of a golf swing um clumsy with his rangefinder, but a rising star in the etsu men's golf program excited to see him get after it stay after it next week we'll in have Vegas. another uh, podcast hopefully some more news on the portal yes on jay and keith Bye, network. portal oh you gotta be kidding me